is the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our weekend service right here at our campus located in downtown Brea, California. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Now this fall, we've been looking at the real Jesus. Everybody say real Jesus. Not some political Jesus that divides us into opposing political camps. Not a Jesus that's used to control or manipulate some legalistic behavior. We're looking at the real Jesus that is found in the Gospels. When we are looking at this Jesus, it's beginning to open our eyes to say, oh, so this is the real Jesus. Because in this season on earth, in this generation, We're surrounded by people who are cynical, who are me-centric, who are saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. They're rewriting what is right and wrong. They're they're labeling what is right and calling it wrong. They're taking what is wrong, and they're saying, oh, well, that's all right. We need Jesus more than ever before. We need an encounter. People need an encounter with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the Jesus Christ who was born of a Virgin Mary. The Jesus Christ, who's the fulfillment of the laws and the prophets. The Jesus Christ, who's the Savior, who paid for my sin, who paid for all of humanity's sin by dying on a cross and shedding his blood. I'm talking about the Jesus who who went into a grave and after three days rose from the grave just like he said he would, defeating death eternally. I'm talking about Jesus who conquered death. Jesus who is the way to the Father. Jesus who is life eternal. Jesus who is the truth for our mind. I'm talking about an encounter with the real Jesus. That's what our world needs. That's what we need. Our world, your world, my world needs Jesus. That's why we took this time to say, who is Jesus? Each week, I've been teaching, and we've had this theme, Jesus is, right? If you've been with us for a while, and we've, we've had these titles and these labels that are attached to Jesus, Jesus is. I found it interesting that last week, Kanye dropped an album, and it's called Jesus is King, because he knew I was doing this series, so... I said, okay, Kanye, go ahead. Right about this time, why don't we go ahead and we'll, we'll do this right around the same amount of time. Well, I did what, every, what a whole lot of other people did this week. I went and downloaded it. I had to check it out. I thought it had some really great tracks, kind of short. I was really surprised how short it is. 30 minutes, the whole thing. I mean, I sat down. I, I kind of camped out in my office. I got a nice drink. I go, okay, I'm going to listen to all this. I want to I check it out. 30 minutes later, I'm like, that's it? It's done? Man, that was quick. But I also decided, since I had a little more time, I thought, I thought I'd watch some interviews because he, you know, he went on the circuit to promote his album. And, he was, and as he was interviewing, I was wonderfully surprised to hear his heart. I heard him talking. I heard him talking to Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. I heard him talking to all sorts of different people that he was interviewed. And I was wonderfully surprised. And I can tell you from what I heard, this guy had an encounter with Jesus. And I don't know his heart, I don't know all his whole story, but what I heard in the interviews was a guy who had an encounter with Jesus. He was publicly professing and confessing Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And you know what Jesus says about that? In Luke chapter 12, verse 8, Jesus said these words. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before public, before men, I'll confess you before my Father. So, 
That's how I judge a person. If they're publicly saying, Jesus Christ is my Lord, then I know what Jesus says. Jesus Christ says, good, you're my son, and I'll confess you to my father. Now, despite Kanye's wealth, despite Kanye's fame, his fortune, his influence, he's like all of us. He started this journey, and he needs to grow. His faith is young, but I can tell you this. I feel the man had a genuine encounter with Jesus. See, this is what our world leaders need. This is what our societal influencers need. This is what your friends and family need. This is what you need. This is what I need. An encounter with the real Jesus. Come on, say real Jesus. Because when it comes down to it, the biggest question that any man, any woman, any child can answer is, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say he is? Some man, some myth, some legend? Or God? Or God? See, when it comes down to it, Jesus is the point of life. He really is. Jesus is the point. Jesus is the reason. Wealth, fame, popularity can't save your soul. That's what I heard Kanye saying. And I've heard a few other people mention that as well. Yeah, fame, fortune, popularity may feel good, like a delicious piece of candy. Mmm, tasty. But it doesn't last long, and it ends up leaving you hungry. Hungry for something substantial, something real. That's what I'm talking about. There's a story of a young man who's wealthy, famous, influential. His story is found in Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to talk about a couple of guys tonight. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. We don't know this guy's name, but it speaks to the ultimate emptiness of worldly fame and fortune. Take a look with me, would you? Take a look on the screens. I'm going to read it. Follow along. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. It says, someone came to Jesus, someone, we don't know his name, with this question. He said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. But that's another topic for another time. But to answer your question. If you want to receive eternal life, keep the commands. The young man says, well, which ones? Which ones? Okay, Jesus says, to clarify, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. He begins to list off the Ten Commandments. Basically to say, young man, okay, let's see here. And the young man says, I've obeyed all these commands. What else must I do? Well, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, that word is complete, actually means complete, that original language. Go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. See, Jesus knew what was holding him back. Then... Come and follow me. But when the man heard this, he went away sad. Why? For he had many possessions. See, this young man was rich. 
Wealthy, powerful, influential, bold, confident, right? I mean, this guy's confident. Can you hear it? He had the, and he lived a good life. This wasn't some player. He's saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I've been doing it well. But he knew something was lacking. Something wasn't filling the emptiness. No matter how much good, no matter how much money he had, there was still this emptiness. And Jesus says, okay, here's the hook inside of you. Get rid of the possessions. Because it seems like the possessions are possessing you. See, the problem comes not from the wealth, but when the stuff we own owns us. Right? See, because Jesus is the point. He was saying, you got a whole bunch of stuff in your vision. Get rid of it. Then come and follow me. Then come and follow me. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand what Jesus was saying. It wasn't that the wealth was wicked. This wasn't some socialist idea saying, well, all money is bad. No, that isn't what Jesus was saying. The issue comes down to when those possessions are possessing you. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, says that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evils. 1 Timothy 6.10. The love of money, the desire that, 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 that drives, that says nothing else matters, people don't matter, I must climb this ladder and get more. One of the wealthiest men to ever live in all of history was an American industrialist. Anybody think they know his name? Rockefeller, that's right. Rockefeller started Standard Oil, made billions of dollars. Today they say he'd be worth about $275 billion. The richest man in the world right now owns Amazon. He's worth about $150 billion. So imagine Rockefeller's wealth in today's time. He was asked one time, Mr. Rockefeller, Mr. Rockefeller, when? When is enough? Because he just kept amassing more and more and more. And his response, just a little more. Just a little more. See, it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evils. Unfortunately, this guy loved his stuff. And he leaves Jesus. Sadly, we don't even know this guy's name. He would go down for eternity forever being known as the rich guy who left a whole lot on the table and left Jesus' offer. This guy... Rich guy leaves the offer that Jesus gives him. We don't know his name. His legacy is one that said no to Jesus. See, when my life is here done on earth, when, my, when I'm done, like I said earlier, we're all going to be done someday. When my life is done on earth, I, I'm going to have some things that I'm known for. Maybe they could write, girls, write this on my tombstone or whatever. My daughters are in here. Remember this, okay? I, I, I want to be known for that I was a faithful husband. We're celebrating our 30-year wedding anniversary this next week. It's actually in December, but we're going to go celebrate this week. Thank you. 30 years, I want to be, I'm going to be known as a faithful husband. I want to be known as a loving dad. Loves my girls. 
I'm probably going to be known as a caring pastor because I do. But the most important thing that can ever be said about me beyond any of those things is that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I said yes to the offer Jesus gave me. I didn't leave anything on the table. I said, yes, Jesus, I want it all. That's the most important thing that can be said about me. That's what I want to be known for. That's what I want people to see and say about me. Because Jesus is the point. Jesus is the point. Jesus is the point. I want people to say, I can see Jesus in him. I can see Jesus in him. My father-in-law, Gil, is here tonight, and uh, he has discipled me, and he's been one of the best examples of Jesus Christ for me here on this earth. And, and somebody gave, Gil, gave you a compliment. You don't even know them. Gave you a compliment the other day. And uh, they were saying, you know what? When I was talking with Gil, it was like I was talking to Jesus. Right? That's what I once said about me. That's incredible. It's incredible. What do people say about you? What do people say about you? Do they see Jesus when they look at you? Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to look and act like Jesus. Now, I'm not talking we're supposed to wear some Galilean type of fashion and start growing our hair out and growing our beards and wear sandals all the time, though it sounds comfortable. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about looking like some sort of European image of Jesus. I'm talking about acting like Jesus. I mean, living like that. Then people, when we do, will begin to say the same things about you that they said about him. Over the past few weeks, we've seen a few titles of Jesus, right? Labels that were attached to Jesus. Jesus, I, I looked out there on the board. I love some of the things that you've been writing up there. Jesus is. Jesus is a maker. He makes all things new. Jesus is present. He's there for you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is my homeboy. Somebody wrote up there. I like that one. But one of my favorites is one I want to talk about for the next few minutes. One that I hopefully you can relate to. And that's Jesus is friend. Jesus is friend. It's one of my favorites. Because when the people who hated Jesus were looking for some label to throw after him, you know what they said? It's found in, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 19. He said, yeah, he's that, that friend of sinners. That's what they could find about him. That's all they could find. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He hangs out with drunks. He hangs out with prostitutes. He's a friend with sinners. He's a friend of sinners. Huh. That's what he was known for. And you know what? Jesus was fine with that. Jesus was okay with that. Jesus liked that, actually. Matter of fact, when we look in the Gospels, we see how true this is. The, think about it. The God of the universe, the word that becomes flesh, the creator of everything put into a body. You know where he likes to hang out? With liars, cheaters, prostitutes, extortionists. That's who he went and spent time with. Not so he could learn from them and figure out their tricks of the trade, so that he could bring life and light to a dark world. 
He intentionally sought out the broken, the hurting, and lonely. Do you hear what I just said? He intentionally sought out the broken, the hurting, and the lonely. He was a friend. Jesus is a friend. He'd go to their homes, and he'd hang out with them, which back then, whoo, that wasn't what a good and proper spiritual teacher would do. A good Jewish leader, a good Jewish rabbi or teacher would not go hang out in the home of notorious sinners. Matter of fact, let me talk to you guys really quickly about one guy, another guy. I've told you two stories of two different guys. One's nowadays, Kanye. One was one we don't even know his name, but here's one that we know his name. It's kind of a fun name. His name is Zacchaeus. Say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. I like that name, Zacchaeus. This story is found in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. This was another guy who was wealthy. So tonight I'm talking about three different guys who are wealthy. This is another guy who's wealthy. He's obsessed with money. He's obsessed with wealth. He's obsessed with status. Zacchaeus is his name. Luke chapter 9, verses verses 1 through 10. Let me read it to you. Jesus entered Jericho, and he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. Everybody say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He was the head of all the tax collectors. He had become very rich. Say very rich. I mean, this, he wasn't just rich. He was very rich, okay? He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and I love how the Bible says this, he called him by name. Okay, now think back to the first guy that we talked about, not the first guy, the second guy. Comes up to Jesus, it says somebody came up to Jesus and asked him this question. There's something a little different here. This time Jesus looks up and calls him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down to look and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. I mean, Zacchaeus is pumped. But the people were displeased. He is gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, back at the house, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And look at Jesus' response. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Verse 10 is, here it is. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Rich man says, that's it. I'm going to start working for God. Now listen, let me give you a little backstory, a little context, because remember, this is 2,000 years ago, and sometimes we may not understand the culture. Israelites in Jesus' day did not like tax collectors. Well, none of us like tax collectors, isn't that right? (laughs) But they especially didn't like him back then because these guys were extortionists. They were gangsters. All right? They worked together. 
to pressure people. They were thieves. Tax collectors were Jews who were hired by the Romans to collect the taxes from their own people. They were working on the inside because the Romans knew, man, let's get some people on the inside and hand over the money to the occupying foreign power. You wouldn't like that, would you? What would you call that person? A traitor, right? Their own income. See, the way they made an income is, let's say you owe 10 Roman coins for taxes. So what they would say is, okay, your taxes are 20 Roman coins. And you'd have to pay it because the Roman centurions would be there enforcing the law. And the tax collector could then line his pockets. He probably, so Zacchaeus and his fellow tax collectors, traders, would make up all sorts of tax amounts. And he probably, as it says, oversaw, oversaw the whole region, that whole tax district. So a little gang of many tax collectors were also working for him and probably giving him a cut too. That's what made him very rich and very powerful, but also legendary, infamous, and notorious. He wasn't very well liked, but he was very rich. Zacchaeus is a small man living a large life. But you know what? I don't think he minded it. I don't think he minded it too much. In fact, I think he's loving life. He's living up in the big fat house overlooking the city, swimming in his infinity pool, right? Got a couple of servants out there feeding him grapes. I mean, you can picture it, right? Looks like some sort of video, right? Everybody fears him now. He's in the big house. Sure, they hate him, but they respect him. <coughs> Chances are, back in elementary school, they didn't like the little guy, right? But now, now they're afraid of the little guy. He likes his status. So when he hears that this popular teacher is coming into town, he gets excited, man. That's, that's the place to be. That's, I want to be, be at the place to be because he liked where the red carpet was rolled out. He wanted to be on the inn. So Jesus arrives with the huge crowd and they're starting to make their way down and people are lying in the streets trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. They just want to see this Jesus. They want to see this miracle worker. And Zacchaeus is like, man, I want to get over there. I want to get over there, but I can't see. He can't, he can't see. So he hitches up his designer robe it's all blinged out probably, showing his cool Versace sandals. And he runs and he climbs up the tree so he can get a, a view of it. And he can see the dust cloud of all the people making their way and he's getting excited because they're making their way towards him. Then, to Zacchaeus' surprise, Jesus gets right by him. And I'm sure Zacchaeus is thinking, oh man, I can, I can even touch him. I mean, this is the best celebrity sighting of the ancient days. Where's TMZ, you know? And then it gets even better because Jesus looks at him and says, Zacchaeus, oh, you know me? And I'm sure what was racing through his mind, you know, you know me? You know me. Zacchaeus, come down. Come where? 
come down because I'm going to be a guest in your home today. What? And I'm sure things were racing through his mind. And he's thinking, wait a minute, this man wants to be in my house. The highfalutin Jewish leaders of the area would love to just shake Jesus' hand. Would love to just spend a minute with him and ask him some profound question. And now Jesus wants to go to my house. Check me out now, baby. You thought I was something. Now Jesus wants to be in my house. You know that's what he's thinking. Zacchaeus, no doubt, making, way, making his way to his house. Come on, Jesus. Okay, I'll show you where it's at. Oh, oh, hey, Billy, 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 go tell the boys. Tell the boys. Go to the house. Go to the house. Come on, come on, come on. Get the boys. And you know all the other tax collectors, oh, Zacchaeus has Jesus coming to his house. And they're all making their way to the house. It's going to be a big thumping party. Boom, boom, boom. You know, it's going on. AJ is DJing, you know. And something happens in that afternoon. We don't know how long they were together. We have no clue. But something happened that afternoon during the party. And Zacchaeus had an encounter with the real Jesus. Not the celebrity Jesus. Not the Photoshop Jesus. Not the Instagram Jesus. See, Zacchaeus got to look eye to eye with God. And something happened in here. A transformation took place in Zacchaeus. He looked into the compassionate eyes of the Word made flesh. And Zacchaeus encountered the friend of sinners. Jesus, the friend. And in the light of Jesus, Zacchaeus has a heart transformation. See, unlike the rich man out on the road who approached Jesus, that rich man was a little self-righteous. His stuff, his goodness blocked the way to seeing the real Jesus. But see, Zacchaeus was well aware of his deficit, was well aware of his position. He was well aware of what he had done. And when he encountered the real Jesus, something transformed in his heart. Something happens. Zacchaeus stands up and he declares, he says, I'm changing everything. I'm going to start giving my money away. In fact, anybody that I've cheated, I'm going to give them back four times what I took from them. Listen, this callous, money-hungry mob boss is about to go broke. His status with his boys is going to go down because he's encountered Jesus. The moment with Jesus changed everything. Man, I wonder... What it was Jesus said to him. The Bible's silent on what Jesus said to him. See, we hear what Jesus said to the rich young ruler that we don't know his name. But it's silent what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. All we need to know is that Zacchaeus 
met the real Jesus. And it was meeting the real Jesus in the presence of Jesus that his life was transformed. It wasn't what Jesus and Zacchaeus talked about. It was the person that Zacchaeus talked to. Just a few moments with God. Listen, this is what we all need. This is what I contend for at Refinery, that you would meet Jesus, that we would know Jesus. The result of friendships that transform lives. An encounter with the real Jesus, a real friend. See, the results of a friendship with Jesus is transformation. And refinery is a place where transformation happens and potential is realized. Zacchaeus is a man who was transformed and his potential, his generosity was being realized. If I was a movie maker, I definitely would be making a movie about Zacchaeus. I'd probably have Danny DeVito be Zacchaeus. Because when I read this, I picture Danny DeVito. A notorious thief becoming a generous giver. That's transformation. The religious leaders called Jesus a friend of sinners. Unfortunately, they did not see the intentionality of Jesus. They judged him while ignoring the results. They judged him. See, that was Jesus' point. Remember what the Bible said in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek, seek, and save those who were lost. The Son of Man came to seek those who were lost. That was the point of Jesus' life. Jesus stepped out of the glory of heaven. Man, it wasn't convenient for him to leave heaven. But he left heaven and took on this form so that he could be a friend. Oh, man, to be a friend. It was life transforming for all those who welcomed him. Tonight, there's two things I want you to take away from tonight as I wrap things up. Two takeaways from today's topic of Jesus' friend. Number one is this. Take a look. <clears throat> Jesus wants to friend you. Yeah. I'm not talking about Facebook. I'm not talking about Instagram kind of friend. Because I've got 2,700 friends on Facebook. Yeah. I don't know most of them. But they're my friends. No, Jesus wants to really friend you. No matter how you've blown it, he wants to friend you. And he wants to offer you a real life, a real relationship. One where transformation happens and potential is realized. He wants to offer you his life. And he wants to be there with you like a real friend is. Through the highs and through the lows. When your pictures look really good and when they don't look so good. The ones you don't want to post. Jesus wants to be there and be your friend. He wants to lay down his life for you. Because see, that's what a real friend does. John 15, 13. Let me read it to you. I don't have it on the screen, but there's the reference. <coughs> Jesus said these words. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
Jesus did this just before he went to the cross of Calvary. He was basically letting everybody know, I want to be your friend. And there's no greater love than someone who lays down his life for his friends. And as he hung on the cross, he looked out. And you know what he saw? His friends. Yeah, the ones that beat him. Yeah, the ones that crucified him. Those are the ones he was laying his life down for too. The notorious, the cheaters and the liars. People like you and me. This is what Jesus did, and I'm so grateful to have a friend like Jesus. Aren't you? Number two, the takeaway for tonight, the last thing is this. Jesus shows us how to be a friend. (laughs) This is where I started. What are people going to say about you? If you say you're a follower of Jesus, that means you're walking in the steps of Jesus. It means you're, you're walking in the same method, the same mannerisms as Jesus. You're doing what Jesus does. If he was a friend like this, what kind of friend should you be? In our overly self-centered, selfie-obsessed culture, Jesus is calling us to be selfless to lay down our lives for our friends. Because when we do, you know what they'll see? They'll see Jesus in you. Because the only way people are going to see Jesus today is through you being the hands and feet, the friend like Jesus was and is. Willingly, selflessly being the friend that he was and is. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to confess something. In the preparation for this message, I literally yesterday, been preparing for a couple of weeks, but I remember yesterday, I was at Drip Coffee. I've just given away my secret. I like to go to Drip Coffee when I'm finishing up my notes. Now y'all know. Now you're going to be hunting me down. Oh, there's Pastor Kelly. I had to close up my stuff. I had to walk outside, and I just began to weep before God. Because, God, I'm not doing this. I haven't been intentional like you, Jesus. I'm so responsible for this new flock, like a new daddy that's obsessed with his young child, saying, okay, I want to make sure my child is healthy. Take it to the doctor. Make sure all the checkups are done. Are you walking yet? What are the milestones? You know, I'm obsessed with this new baby called Refinery Church. And Jesus came to seek and save the loss. And I had to go outside and confess to God. I'd say, God, I need to be more intentional about this. Show me a sinner, and I'll go. I got to work on this too. I got to be more intentional about being a loving person that cares for the lost. And we all need to be like Jesus and operate with this same intentionality to being a friend and pointing people to the friend who sticks closer than any brother, Jesus Christ. Amen? So tonight, one of you, tonight, I want to invite you into these these two areas. Jesus wants to be your friend. (laughs) Jesus wants to be your friend. And Jesus shows us how to be a friend. I would imagine that everyone in here can fit into one of these two categories. 
that we can all probably do a little better in one or two. That you need a friend that's going to be there for you during the highs and the lows. And it's Jesus. Call to me, God says, and I'll show you great and wondrous things. The reason Jesus is friend is such an important title for me was because when I was 17 years old, I was friendless. I'd had a party the night before at my house. And as I woke up the next day, everybody was gone. The house was a mess, and I felt utterly alone, saying, where are my friends? And if you've heard my testimony and my story, there was a little yellow piece of paper on the coffee table in my living room, and I began to read it. And it talked, this person was talking about how they had a, wonderful things to share with me, a beautiful life to provide for me, and it ended with your friend, Jesus. And in that moment, I realized, I need a friend. And I called out to Jesus, and I said yes to his friendship. I said yes to his offer. I wasn't going to leave anything on the table. If you've never said yes to Jesus, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. Secondly, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to wrap things up. Could you be a better friend? I know I could be. Because the way people are going to see Jesus as a friend is in you and in me. Let me ask you something. Here's how you can test this, and this is what I did to myself. Can you name somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they're your friend? And you're being intentional about showing them God, showing them His love? I'm not just talking about somebody that you hang out with, get a beer with, go bowling with, because you enjoy getting a beer with them and bowling with them. I'm talking about saying, I want to show you Jesus in my life. Are your conversations pointing, pointing these people to Jesus? I want to pray. First, I want to pray for you if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Tonight's the night. Secondly, I want to pray the Zacchaeus prayer. That God will bring you to some of those notorious people. And they'll look at you and they'll see Jesus. And you'll be able to share his love, his friendship with them. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? For more information about Refinery Church, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at We Are Refinery. If these messages have blessed you, please consider supporting the ministry by visiting our website at wearerefinery.com/give.